Well, good morning. Lovely to be with you today. And um, we're beginning a a new series in um, clarifying call, discerning direction, and developing character. I I don't know which one of those sounds more difficult to you. (laughs) Every now and then, uh, people in church help me to try and develop my character. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced that yourself. In all sorts of ways. One one of the nicest ways is um, when someone gives you something to to improve you, um, some reading matter or or a DVD or a CD to listen to. And uh, and Jan Telic, who's one of our church wardens, does this to me regularly. Um, I, don't, I don't know what she's saying about the level I'm at, but <laughs> it's there. And I was reading one of these magazines um, uh, earlier, and in it, it contained the fascinating account of, uh, of a man who had uh, gone in for routine nasal surgery and spent 20 minutes dead um, because the procedure went wrong. He was, he was called out of um, the death by, by medical um, you know, action, um, and he described the experience as being like you've been on one of those long international plane journeys. You get to the other side all groggy. Um, you just think you've arrived and then someone, someone sticks you back into economy class and sends you back 12 hours the other direction. And then trying to recover from the, the very physical experience of being dead for 20 minutes. Um, but he, he said that he was never the same afterwards. Uh, everything was clearer. He had a sort of an afterglow effect. He hadn't seen you know, the, the shining lights. And I don't think he could visually remember exactly what he'd seen. But he had this sense of having been with the Lord, having been with God. And it changed him. He, he couldn't live his life the way that he'd been living up to that point. He was clearer about needing to share Jesus with people. He was, um, in some ways, less fun at a dinner party. <laughs> in some ways, more interesting. Everyone wanted to hear his story. Um, he resisted writing a book about it, and this, this is a few years on that he's uh, even written this article. But it changed him. He had a sense of what the purpose for his life was about. And I wonder where we're at on that, knowing clearly what our call is today. And a little later on in the service, during, the, during this talk, in fact, there'll be a chance for people to come up and if they want to say, this is what God's been saying to me over the summer or the last few weeks, uh, I've, uh, I was... At someone's house for dinner this week and they were saying how they'd been to a church where the minister always held onto the microphone, uh, didn't let you grab it um, and only let you have it for 60 minutes um, to talk. So, yeah, 60 seconds to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Had you there. That's the length of the sermon, isn't it? <laughs> um, 60 seconds to talk. Um, so if, if you, that sort of starts to stir in you, you think, I've got something I could share with people. This is what God's been doing in me. Have a little think about that. But here we are, beginning our series in um, clarifying, cool, discerning direction and developing character. And we're picking up with one of those people in the Bible who are game changers. Game changers. There aren't many of them. Uh, you, could, you could talk about David. You could talk about Moses. Obviously, you talk about Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Um, but here's Abraham, who becomes Abraham later on in his life. And... We get a little clue about him before our passage, because in in verse 31 of chapter 11, just the paragraph before, it talks about his father, um, Terah. And he was living in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And he sets out to go to a new place called Canaan. But he gets halfway, effectively, going going in a northwest direction, up the river, um, to a place called Haran. And... uh, and he stops, um, even though he had meant to go to Canaan. 
And in, in chapter 12 then it picks up, and the Lord says to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will send you. So he sets out for the place that his father meant to go on. And let's, um, let's pray as we start to look at his adventure and his story. Father, as we look in at Abraham and as we consider our own calling and our own lives, please will you give us clarity today about what you're calling us to do and the ability to discern what you were doing with Abraham as well. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hopefully you're here on Tuesday night for the growth course, and when you, when you come along, um, we're going to be looking at uh, an acrostic called Shape, and Kia's going to be taking us through it. And it's one of the ways of trying to discern um, what you should be doing with your life. I mean, how, how do you work it out? Often people say, live your life for God, live your life for the Lord, or live your life in a way that counts, or if you had a near-death experience, you'd make use of it, wouldn't you? But, but how? What, what do you do? What's your unique possible calling or contribution to the world. And this uh, shape thing has been very useful. It comes from the sort of Rick Warren Saddleback Church stable. Uh, and it, it, it picks out what your spiritual gifts are, what your heart is, um, what your abilities, your personality, and your experience are. And it's all on these study notes if you, if you want to follow that along. Um, and um, if we were to look at those different things um, in relation to Abraham, um, his personality um, uh, we'll, we'll leave, leave to a bit, but spiritual gifts-wise, he, he, he has this extraordinary gift. Not many people get God turn up, talk to them, and say, here's an enormous blessing on your life. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless everyone through you. you. You'll be a blessing. And if anyone gets in your way, I'll curse them. <laughs> Uh, later on, uh, as we saw in a second reading, he furthermore is taken outside by God in another encounter, made to look up at the stars, and God says, look, as many stars as you can see, that's how many your offspring are going to be. He was someone who, who got to hear from God very, very clearly and got the blessings from God as well. He, he had a huge gift of faith as well because he acted on what he'd heard from the Lord. Not only did he hear from the Lord, but he also stepped out in obedience with him. And and chapter 15, verse 6, includes one of those hinge verses. If this is a hinge person, the hinge verse is Genesis 15, verse 6, that says that Abraham believed God, and it was added to his account. It was credited to him as righteousness. Because he trusted what God said about him and what he told him to do, he was made right with God. It's one of the great lessons that the New Testament draws from Abraham's life. It says, if you trust God, he will make you right with him. If you have faith in God, you can be right with God. And we learn that just by looking at the life of Abraham. So a man of faith, a man of revelation, a man of obedience. His heart, he has a wonderful heart, doesn't he? He's a man who longs after God. He can hear from God. Uh, But everywhere he goes, he builds a place to worship God. Uh, there's a church in, um, in California called Bethel Church, which is uh, very famous at the moment. It's called Bethel because Abraham and others chose to worship God in, in this place called Bethel. They built altars to God and they praised him there. And they sought him lavishly. He was someone who was generous uh, to his wayward nephew and a loyal friend. He divided up his possessions and allowed his nephew to have the best place uh, to farm. 
And uh, he, was, he was loyal. He, he went and got involved in a, a minor military intervention to save his nephew when he got in trouble. His abilities included exercising sort of special forces commando type abilities. He went to save his nephew. He was also a great businessman and an accomplished leader. He came from an urban setting, Ur of the Chaldeans. And from there, he'd obviously learned a lot of things. He'd been educated. Um, but then he's moved out and branched into agriculture, um, nomadic farming. And he has great ability to take risks. He can relocate. He can break up his enterprise to allow his nephew Lot to have the best products. And yet he still rises to the top somehow. He's got extraordinary commercial instincts. He, he gets there. Um, his experience. We don't know a huge amount about his past. Um, Ur of the Chaldeans was an important place and a flourishing city. His father, as I said, had already left there and got them as far as Haran. His, his brother had died, so he had that as part of his makeup, as part of his experience. Losing a sibling is quite a formative thing. And there's a couple of interesting anecdotes um, from the world of legend about his father. Uh, Jewish legend has it that his father had an idol factory, made, made idols. And uh, one day, Abraham was trying to persuade his father that he'd got it wrong. And uh, so he got all the idols, and he got a hammer, and he smashed them all to pieces except for one of them. <laughs> he then put the hammer in the hands of the remaining idol. His father comes home and says, what's going on seeing an idol carrying a hammer and everything else smashed to pieces? And Abraham says... Dad, it was the idol that did it. <laughs> he destroyed all the other statues. His father said, don't be foolish. It's just an idol. It can't do anything. It hasn't got any power. And Abraham said, duh. <laughs> so why are you worshipping them? And that, that was the seabed of, um, uh, of terror, discovering maybe God as well. It is possible that his father discovered God because he'd set out on that journey, hadn't he? The one that Abraham went on. And it, it sort of makes me wonder whether actually there's a journey for, for everyone in, in this life. You can't get it exactly from the text, but Terah had set out on the journey that God was going to call Abraham to do. Maybe Abraham wasn't the only one who got called by God. Maybe God was calling Terah before him, and Terah's father before him, and Terah's grandfather, and, and so forth. Maybe every single person, certainly seems to be true in my pastoral experience, at some point gets called by God. Wooed by God, nudged by God. That still small voice in the night, that aching annoyance of your mother-in-law who keeps going on about God. <laughs> when are you going to baptize the kids? That, that sort of thing. The um, intervention when the car crash happens and you got out of the car. The dream that you can't quite kick. The Gideon Bible that's still left in the odd hotel where it hasn't been kicked out by secularist forces that calls to you when you stay in the hotel. Maybe everyone gets a calling from God. And what do you do in response to the calling? Well, Terah got a certain distance and perhaps, perhaps failed. Abraham doesn't just sit in his father's failure. He goes up the next level and he goes all the way and he receives the blessing. So he had interesting background brother died, a father who maybe made it halfway. He had a really annoying nephew. Um, family gatherings were really difficult. And a nephew's wife was even more difficult. And he hadn't been able to have children. And we, we pick up the story. He's 75 years of age. And it's a pain over his life. 
and yet he's the one who's called by God. He has this extraordinary world-shaping calling over his life to bless all the nations. All the nations will be blessed through you. So who was he? What was his personality like? I imagine he must have been pretty much perfect, don't you? To be this, this guy who stands out from the crowd. Except, I've just said that, well, maybe God calls everyone. <laughs> maybe he was just the one who was able to hear. And actually, as you read through the stories that follow, the perfection levels go down pretty fast. See, the very next story in chapter 12 tells the story of how Abraham goes down through the Negev towards Egypt, which is the great superpower of the day, despotic pharaohs in charge. And on the way down there, he looks at his 65-year-old wife, and and this is where you have to clock our Bible numbers exactly the same as our numbers, but I'm not going to say anything. But she's 65 years of age, and um, Abraham's worried that the pharaoh will want to nick her to be his wife because she's so beautiful. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe the numbers are exactly the same, but it seems an unlikely person to be the first choice of a king to add into the harem on on regular scores. Um. You might disagree. <laughs> uh, and and he, he, he says, well, don't be my wife. Pretend to be my sister. <laughs> Pretend to be my sister. And, um, and there he leaves her, vulnerable uh, to predatory despotic rulers. <laughs> it's the man who's just received the blessings to bless all the nations. And, and she goes down to Egypt and, and the Pharaoh does take her. She's an enticing, alluring 65-year-old dame. And, um, and he's about to marry her. He's about to have his way with her, I guess. And suddenly the Lord sends disease upon disease onto Pharaoh's household, which is sometimes the only way of getting people's attention, <laughs> until he realizes he's done something wrong. And she's spared by God, but not by Abraham. His personality has a deep flaw in it. And we see that again in different ways. He's heroic, but he's not utterly praiseworthy. It's not the best fulfilling of your matrimonial vows, is it? Go and sleep with that despotic king to save my bacon, please. (laughs) So what do we learn from this? There's millions of things you could learn from the life of Abraham. But I wonder if one of the key things for us is this. If God does have a calling on each of our lives and, and we know that from the New Testament, that to each one a gift has been given, First Corinthians. If God has a gift for your life, a calling for your life, is it ruined by the fact that in your personality there are flaws and weaknesses? <laughs> and the answer from Abraham is, well, no, it's not. You, you may slip, you may do things which are terribly wrong. There may be parts of you that look coward-like and weak and rubbish and vulnerable, Things that you'd hate us to see here. And I have those things in my life. But if you put your trust in God, if you have faith in God, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. And how amazing he is and how amazing his plan is. It's not about how physically tough you are, how well you are, how young or old you are. Abraham was 75 at this point. He lived another 100 years in the Bible account. Had kids 25 years later. (laughs) One to think on, isn't it? It's not about any of those things. It's not about the flaws you've got. But whether you choose to trust him with what you can give him. And actually along the journey, do you know what? He'll develop the character. 
as much as you surrender it to him and get it better and better and better. And eventually we'll see that with Abraham if you read on for yourself. But he's, he's refined by God over time into a very special person indeed. So whoever you are today, whatever your flaws are, don't let them define you. Let trust and faith in God define you instead. And you might become a world changer like Abraham. <laughs> or just a very normal person who gets praised in God because you did small things well. And that was equally pleasing to the Lord as being a world changer. <laughs> I wonder if there's anyone here who would, who would like to share anything that the Lord's been doing with them. Who had a nudge for that. We had, had um, four people popped up at the nine o'clock service, which was, was really lovely. But if, there, if there's anyone here who would, who would like to share something the Lord's been doing, I'd, I'd love if you could just come up. Uh, ben, are you coming? Wonderful. And if you're, if you're next in line, come up as well so there's no delay. So come and stand on the stage too. Okay. Right, uh, yes. We didn't actually go away uh, ourselves over the, over the summer holidays. But one of the things I did do was uh, go on a men's retreat with a group of guys in, in a house in action. It was a good chance to spend a couple of days just reflecting. And one of the main things that came out was a sense from the Lord that I should start, and all of us should start listening to our children uh, more and actually really recognizing that the still small voice does come from them as much as from ourselves. We don't have to have a tremendous knowledge of the Bible, but some of the things they come out with uh, are life-changing. It's amazing. Since that date, there are things that have been happening, things that have been said that really are, I've really started taking notice of and have really started changing, changing my life. Thank you, Ben. That's fabulous. Listen to the children. Abraham got further than Tara. Um, Gina, keep in the family. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been um, away from work for 10 months, and I went back last week. And the first time I took my daughter to... No, she was been going to nursery for five weeks, but she was only doing half a day. But the first time last week, she went for the full, full day because I was going back to work. And um, she had a shock because they gave her cereal. So she's like, what's going on? I've never had cereal yet. So she started crying her eyes out. And I felt really, really, you know, sad and upset and feel, felt guilty before I went to, and then I went to work. So when I got to work, and all my colleagues were all so, so happy to see me. And they, I mean, they loved the show. I just felt like it's the same love that the Lord would have showed me. So that made it so easy. I know I was rotting inside, but the love that they, my colleagues showed me, I just felt like it's the same love that the Lord would have showed me. So it just made everything better, and the day went smoothly. So give God grace. Thank you. Thank you. It was really helpful, isn't it? Just the sort of help in those difficult moments in life where, where things are turning around. Well, we're going to have three in a row. <laughs> Stella. Um, I've had six eye operations for glaucoma. And um, I'm always grateful to God because without him, I would be a blind woman by now. And this started since 2002. My first eye operation was 18th of February, 2002. I just bought my flat then, and I was so scared. I thought I was going to be blind. What am I going to do? with money, 
you know, how am I going to get on because I live on my own. So when I went, when I went into the theater, as I was lying, I refused general anesthetics. I had local anesthetics. As I was lying on the tr- um, operating theater, I was reciting Psalm 23. And the operation went on. So I said, Jesus Christ, where were you when all these things are happening? And I could see him standing by a door at the end on my left-hand side. And he walked up to me and said, that is why I'm, 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 I am here, to hold your hand. And I kept my hand like this till they finished the operation. And each time I go into the theater for my operation now, I know he's there with me. And I'm seeing, I have no problem with my eyes. I still have my eye drops because I believe in him. And he's done that for me. That's amazing, isn't it? What a lovely story. Lovely story. And praise God. Well, maybe if you've got um, other things to share, come on Tuesday night and, uh, and bring them into your table groups on the, on the growth course as, as that happens this Tuesday. Um, amazing to hear what the Lord's doing in our midst. And I know over the summer, a couple of people uh, responded in services to say they'd like to follow Jesus. And other people have had testimonies of healing, uh, responding to words for healing as well. So it's, it's been a, an amazing time that we've been going through with the Lord, isn't it? calling of the Lord is on us, um, and uh, praise God for that. Let's come now to a time of communion as we choose to say to the Lord, uh, we'll follow you and be obedient to you.